welcome back to Champion Chats. This week we are interviewing Rachel McCann. Rachel McCann is a New Zealand blackstick, has a diploma in positive psychology, and is the host of her own podcast, The Happy Athlete. During her time as a professional athlete, it hasn't all been happy days, especially in 2016 when she didn't make the final cut for the Rio Olympics and was then dropped from the national squad the following year. Although this was a huge disappointment at the time, it ignited a spark within her to train even harder and reach her goal of going to the Olympics. She is currently keeping up her training despite the challenges with COVID-19 and has her eyes set on next year's Tokyo Olympics. She is a definitely a powerful woman and one we should look up to. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. G'day guys. Thank you so much for having me. That was a cool intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, to start off, we have four questions we like to ask every guest. So describe yourself without using a position title. Yeah, this one was really hard. What was that? Try describe what you do. Try to describe what I do. Um, I talk a lot and I exercise a lot. That's probably the main things that I um, do. But I also have a lot of fun with my mates. That's probably... I would describe it. Um, am I allowed to use the word hockey player? Probably not, because that's a position. <laughs> but yeah, and then I'm a hockey player. <laughs> Sounds good, yeah. So what did you want to do when you were at school? Yeah, I think um, for me, I always, I always wanted to be um, a black sick. Throughout school, I played lots of different sports, but nothing really... I didn't have as much passion for those sports as I did for hockey. And so I always just, yeah, wanted to play to a really high level and be the best that I could be. So Black Sick was definitely on that list. Um, and I mean, for me, I'm still like trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, and I've been dabbling in a few different things. And now sports psychology has definitely come into the forefront of what I want to do, working with younger athletes and hopefully helping them gain tools um, in their sports performance, tools that I wish I had have had when I was a bit younger. So, yeah, I guess the short answer is athlete. The long answer is I'm still, I'm still working out what I want to do when I grow up, even though I'm grown now. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard call. Um, describe your life using three words. Um, fun, laughter, and... I'm going to use for hard work. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's a good, I feel like they would sum up anyone's life quite nicely, to be honest. It's like those words I'd like for my life. Mm. Yeah. Um, what, who do you hope to inspire and why? Yeah, I liked this question. Um, so I guess for me, when I was growing up, um, I kind of sometimes didn't feel good enough, like especially when I um, got dropped and sort of went through tough phases. Um, yeah, it's just, and I think everyone goes through that where they maybe don't feel good enough to do whatever their dream is. Um, and so who I would like to inspire is just every athlete, every person, every young person, just to know that they are good enough without a, an achievement. but just to inspire them to do whatever they want to do. Um, yeah. And yeah, why I want to do that is because, yeah, like I said, when I was growing up, I maybe went through phases where I didn't feel 
good enough and hopefully that shows people that it doesn't matter how long it takes to achieve your dream or to achieve what you want to do you can do it if you put in the hard work it might just take it might just not happen exactly when you want it to happen but if you put in the work eventually it will um so yeah so probably just anyone who's maybe not feeling like they're good enough i want to try and help them get on a journey that allows them to to feel like they will be it's amazing <laughs> yeah and i feel like that's important because i feel often when you leave school or as year 13 you sort of want what your dreams are to happen quite quickly and think that if they don't then you aren't succeeding or you're not going to ever succeed but we're going to live for quite a while we've got a few years ahead of us so we don't need to rush through it all and things do take time and often the harder you work and the longer it takes then the more you will enjoy the final outcome mm. yeah. and I can definitely relate yeah. um, sorry you go <laughs> no you go else you go <laughs> um, I can definitely relate to like putting too much worth on like getting into a team or whatever even if it's just you know the first 11 like it's it's definitely something that you know, it just, it shouldn't be your worth. It shouldn't be, you know. Yeah, harder. And it's taken me years and I still get tripped up by that. You know, like I also used the example of the first 11 or, um, you know, like even for me now when I'm playing, if I make selection the most important thing that defines my worth, then I'm in for a big fall when that doesn't happen. And that happened to me in, in 2016 and it's still happened. Like it's a lesson that I have to keep learning. But if you can focus on um, just like the process of what you're doing and then, you know, I still have that dream. And it's been interesting the last couple of weeks I've been interviewing other athletes, you know, like really like champions, Olympic champions. And they talk about, you know, sometimes winning and success or selection, it's a bit taboo. You don't want to say, oh, I want to win. I think it's okay to to want to win and acknowledge that you have that shriek in you. Like I was doing, um, it's obviously positive psychology. A lot of it's based in strengths. And my number one strength is that I'm super competitive. And so instead of shying away from that and being like, oh, I don't want to be competitive because maybe, you know, for girls, or this is a generalization, when you're seen as competitive or going for something, you can kind of be perceived as quite aggressive. But for me, it's like, how can I tap into that strength of being competitive to allow me to do what I want to do? That was a very, wasn't clear at all. But you guys, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I need focus. Bring me back to another question, guys. (laughs) Usually I'm the one asking the question, so it's easy to just chime in. So, yeah, tell us about when you were younger and you did mention before how you always wanted to be a black stick. So when did you first start playing hockey and what introduced you to the sport? Yeah, I started playing when I was maybe 10 or 11. I was quite late in the piece. I did lots of sports when I was growing up, like water polo, cross-country running, netball, rowing, um, and... I think doing all those sports was really important for my development, um, not just as an athlete, well, for my mental development as well. Like I think about when I was rowing, honestly, so much of the mental strength that I have now in hockey was built in those four years that I was rowing and you were sitting on an erg and having to like just concentrate on 
keep your attention not on the pain of being on the erg. And so, yeah, they were really formative being able to do all those different sports. And I think now one thing that I don't advocate against it, but there's a lot of athletes that specialize quite early in one sport. And while I can see why kids do that, um, I think it's super important to um, train in other areas so that your body, you look, you can look after your body. And I've talked to like Sophie Devine about this as well. And she's a massive advocate for doing lots of different sports because you can get lots of benefits from those. But um, yeah, so like even in year nine at school, I didn't play hockey for, for Villa. I just played netball because you weren't allowed to play in the year nine, a team and the first 11. So I was even, so I was like 12 or 13, maybe just playing lots of things um but yeah but hockey was my number one passion so then I ended up doing that and um yeah now that I'm grown up I'm still doing that yeah. um what is the average day in the life of Rachel McCann yeah so the average day usually I train twice a day but it just depends on our training schedule but um yeah so usually I'd wake up I'd maybe have like morning coffee and then I'd maybe have like a weight session or some sort of training, depending on what training block we're in. Um, when we were training for the Olympics um, prior to COVID, we would have full days. We would go in and, um, yeah, you'd be doing like two-hour trainings in the morning and you'd have a break. But now it's a bit different. Um, and then maybe go for coffee with the girls after you've done a bit of training. Um, and then depending on whether we have time, I'll do some work, maybe a bit of study or some of my happy athlete stuff and then would maybe have training again in the evening and then eat some yummy food while throughout that day and then yeah go to bed <laughs> or so, maybe yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard that's a hard one to answer because the average day is quite different like depending on what the training schedule is for what phase or block of training that we're in you know like we do big periods of time where we can be overseas as well so then the days are really different yeah 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 so after being cut from the national squad in 2017 how did you deal with this major setback oh yeah so it was it was a tough setback um to experience I think how did I deal with it well so I lost my funding so, um, well, in 2017, I got dropped down to the development squad. So I didn't fully lose my funding, but I ended up moving back home to Christchurch. And so I was like living with my parents and that felt good as a 24 year old or whatever I was. Um, but it allowed me to continue to keep training and coaching and training to the standard that I wanted to. Um, and I guess how I dealt with it was I had to get really honest with myself and how I was going. I mean, when I first made the Black Six, first making it and debuting, it was amazing. And, you know, you're just kind of on the rat wheel of trying to stay and get selected and stuff. And, and I wasn't really looking at my development hard enough. I was always just looking at what could I do to get into the team or how could I get into the team, you know? So when I got dropped, I had to step back and really look at what do I need to improve as a player and be quite honest with myself. And so I did that. And a massive part of it for me was the mental game. 
And so I had been introduced to mindfulness before um, through injury and stuff, but I hadn't really deep dove into it. And so in about 20, around about 2017, I started to really learn about mindfulness and how to train your attention and where you needed it to be. And um, I began implementing that in all my training sessions. So I had watched, it was a bit crazy, but I'd watched um, this video on like Kobe Bryant and how he had trained. And he was talking about how he did like two hour sessions in the morning and then middle of the day and then in the afternoon afternoon and because I'd been dropped out of the squad it meant that I could train any way I wanted to um, and so I just was like well if it worked for Kobe Bryant then hopefully it'll work for me so I basically adopted that strategy and my parents I was super lucky they had a turf up at the at my house and so we got a goal put in and I basically just started being like right I'm just gonna be the goal scorer and so I would just go down for two hours straight and just hit balls and try and hit the sideboard and it was just I enjoyed doing it like I um I worked with a coach and that was a key way of of focusing my attention on where it needed to be um so I guess how did I deal with the disappointment I got honest with myself and then I just I got stuck into some really hard work like I've never worked harder than when I was dropped because I didn't have a choice but it was also good because I could I could train in any way that I wanted to because I wasn't in anything I didn't have games to prepare for other than like club or whatever so yeah so that's probably how I did it <laughs> it's so inspirational though like getting dropped and like having the the fight you know to come back stronger so it's cool because it'd be so easy to just give up yeah Oh yeah, and there were there were times like um, where I'd be absolutely lying if there weren't if I said there weren't times where I was like, do I really want this? Like, do I want to do this intense training? And I think it sort of proved to me that I did want it because I was, yeah, yeah. I just I wanted it, and so then I just was like, right, okay, let's figure out a plan, let's do it. And and I had some really good coaches around me that um, I formed relationships with that were, were able to teach me in a way that was really effective using mindfulness and using my strengths, I guess, that I hadn't really been tapping into yet. Do you think that um, when you then got back selected into the Black Sticks the second time, how different did that feel from the first time that you were selected into the team? Yeah, it was, um, it was, I felt like a completely different person, um, in terms of, I, when I play now, I'm not saying that I don't ever have doubt or fear around my performance or, um, you know, some games I don't play well and some games I do, but I'm very much, I'm much more grounded in myself and who I am. And I think that's a massive part for athletes but anyone on the journey it's like figuring out who you are because it doesn't matter if you miss a shot or lose a game if you know who you are but if your identity is wrapped up in do you make the game winning shot do you make this team do you win the medal it's just it's a it's a slippery slope in my opinion from where I've been so I feel very confident in my skills now more so than I did when I when I hadn't been dropped and if I hadn't have been dropped 
I'm not saying being dropped was fun. It sucked so much. Like it was not, it was not sunshine and daisies. Like, but it made me look really hard at myself and it ignited a bit of a fire in me to, to train harder than I ever had. So in that way, it was a blessing, but I can only say that on the other side of the setback. You know what I mean? When you're in it, you're like, oh, I just want to give up. But yeah, I guess that's it if you don't give up. And like I said at the at the start, it's being like patient in what you're doing. You know, if you have that goal, it's just like, okay, well, it might not happen exactly when you want it to, but if you put in the work, it will happen. But the, the key part is finding out what you actually want. There's also I love a what really hard part. <laughs> as well. That's really cool. You know, just changing your perspective and taking a step back and looking at it from a different angle. And that's important. Mm. Um, how has your deployment in positive psychology helped you deal with the disappointment you have faced? Yeah, my diploma came at a really good time. So I'd been dropped and um, I was lucky enough to still have the Prime Minister's scholarship so I could get my study. And I had a friend that had done the diploma and she recommended it to me. And so I, I went over to Aussie and I um, studied over there and did the diploma for a week. And it, it's, it was pretty life-changing, but in a weird way. Like, I can't really explain exactly what it did, but it, it, um, it helped me see things from a different uh, perspective in terms of, like, using your strengths more. Um, and just like little things around mindfulness and how you frame things. And I think one of the massive things about positive psychology is that it's not about being positive all the time. It's just about realizing the emo emotions that you have and then being able to like work through them and see them. And that's also a massive part about mindfulness. Um, so I think one thing that I use a lot is strengths. Like I talked about just before, like my top strength is competitive and realizing what strengths I do have instead of focusing on my weaknesses because probably prior to um prior to being dropped I did focus a lot on my weaknesses you know I focused on I'm not quick enough I um yeah I can't do what these other people can do but once I realized that you can get further by focusing on your strengths it doesn't matter, like for an example that I always use is like, I'm not the quickest, but I have really quick hands and I can read the game. So instead of telling me I'm slow, just be like, okay, we'll use your hand speed quicker or use your vision, you know, focusing on those things. And I think a lot of athletes, they do because their coaches maybe do a flippant comment where they're like, oh yeah, you're not very good at hitting. So then they never hit, but it's like, you could, yeah. So that was, that was probably a really key thing. That was a terrible example that I just used then. But a key thing that I learned was just about focusing on your strengths and using those more. Um, and I use them heaps as an athlete now. Now I'm just, if someone's like, oh, you're really bad at that. I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know, I just use a team. I use a teammate to help cover that up or I focus exactly on the thing that will provide value for the team that I do naturally. Yeah, and there's that saying, I don't know if this will be correct, completely correct, but like where your mind goes, your energy flows, something along mm -hmm. that line. So I feel like yeah. if you're focusing on your strengths, then they're only going to get better as well. And so then 
even more yeah um them. yeah definitely and like there's a there's a quote in positive psychology it's um martin seligman he says build what's strong instead of fixing what's wrong you know so instead of looking at what's wrong with you what you can't do just focus on the stuff that you can do without even trying and then just make that awesome yeah that's good i'm <laughs> gonna keep that one <laughs> um do you have any advice especially sorry specifically for teenagers who will face disappointment yeah i do um and it's get used to it <laughs> Nah, I, I just, I think like disappointment is, um, it's an interesting word. I think like you're always going to have disappointment, especially if you're trying to achieve something that someone else hasn't achieved. You know, if you're striving to be the best at something or you're striving to do something that no other team has done, you're going to be disappointed along the way, especially, and I relate to that as, a, as an athlete. Um, and you've got to start to, and I don't do this all the time, but you've got to start to love the grind of failing, like love just the grind of trying something, failing at it, and then doing it again, trying to fix it, you know? I think like we in society, you know, we think failure is a bad thing. Failure is a great thing because it, like being dropped, you know, it, um, it taught me a lot about myself that I wouldn't have learned if I was just cruising my way through the team, you know, just making every tour and it being hunky dory. So yeah, if, if you are going through a disappointment, just try and pop it, be like, sweet, what can I learn? What's and like Oprah says, what's this here to teach me? And mm -hmm. like I said, it's really hard when you're in the setback, but that's where the money's made. That's where, you know, resilience is and when you have to implement some of those skills. So yeah, I love that quote. Um, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Um. So you've got your own podcast, The Happy Athlete, and why did you start The Happy Athlete, and what was your focus for the brand? Yeah, yeah. So The Happy Athlete. Um, get on and subscribe, y'all. Uh, to, <laughs> to that. Follow me at The Happy Athlete underscore. Honestly, oh, nah. Um. So a bit like the other um, answer that I gave, I guess I started it because for me, I didn't realize that there was this whole um, mental side of sport um, that could help me. I knew that the mental game was really important, but I didn't quite know how to train my mind and I didn't, um, yeah. So the happy athlete, I just started because, um, I was on this journey of learning all this stuff about positive psychology and mindfulness and um, the, the good Maya, the great Maya Angelou quote, um, when you get, give, when you learn, teach. So that was kind of my um, philosophy around it. And the podcast is sort of focused around just talking to other athletes that have been there, done that, had experience. And, and part of that is for my journey as well. Like, I was talking to Lisa Carrington the, the other week and I'm just sitting there like, oh yeah, like learning about all the amazing things that she does or like the little habits and routines that she implements. And I think we can learn a lot from people that have been there and done it. So yeah, I guess it, it was just, I've, I'm still starting it. I'm still figuring out where I want to go with it. But I think for me, I, I learned through my journey that there's a way of, um, being kinder to yourself as an athlete 
um, even though you're still striving for excellence or striving to be the best, you don't have to, I, because when I was growing up, I thought my strength was like harsh criticism and, and like that would help me to get places, which it did. But once I reached kind of international hockey, I realized that you can't do anything that will take away from your confidence because it just won't end well for you. So hopefully I'm just trying to teach younger athletes that, give them the tools when they're younger in order to help them, you know, become the best that they can be in whatever their pursuit is. Love it. Love the happy athletes. A great podcast. <laughs> um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, this is such a hard question. Um, I don't know. I have, so instead of answering that question, because it's, it's hard, I'd say like people that I look up to are like an Oprah Winfrey or, and I would, if I could be doing anything close to what she's doing, you know, like building out arenas and talking to like the leading minds in the world, that would be pretty cool. If I had a couple of um, Olympic medals, that would also be pretty sweet. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm honestly still just trying to figure it out at the moment. Um, yeah. And then maybe if I could, be the sports psych for some cool team that would be pretty sweet too yeah yeah it sounds like you've got some good plans there <laughs> very exciting <laughs> so to do a little fun finisher we've got 10 quick fire questions so the first one mm -hmm. if you couldn't play hockey what would you be doing I think I'd probably like play tennis. It'd be pretty sweet to be like on the tour. That would be what I would do, but I would have to go back. They would, we would have to go back a long time ago and start training me. <laughs> um, what's your favourite food? Chocolate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favourite sport other than hockey? I like to watch rugby. I don't like to play it. Is that me playing it or is it me watching? Anything. Either. Yeah, I, I like to watch rugby. Um, summer or winter? Summer. Yeah. Um, Favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Santorini, Greece. Oh, nice. What's your go-to coffee order? Double shot flat white. Uh, Christchurch or Auckland? Christchurch, for sure. <laughs> I am living in Auckland now, but 100% yeah. Canterbury. What's your favourite time of the day? Morning. Yeah, I love to um, get up and go for, this wasn't in my average day, but most days I do get up and I go for a walk on the beach or somewhere in nature with a coffee usually. And a podcast. So maybe this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> maybe <Champion> chat. <laughs> Sounds um, like you got some pretty sweet people on it, so I might might have to tune in. I have to subscribe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who inspires you most? Yeah, there's there's lots of people that inspire me. Um, I think like someone that I look up to, I mentioned it before, is Oprah. Like I think she does amazing things in the world and um, I just really like her approach to things and teaching people how to be more present and for their lives. But um, there's, 
a lot of my teammates inspire me as well in terms of the work ethic that they have. And um, I know growing up, like Kayla Whitelock was a massive um, inspiration for me. So it's pretty cool to like now play with her and like learn from her. And um, yeah, so there's lots, there's lots of amazing women out there that inspire me um, and a lots of amazing dudes, but those would probably be some of the key ones. Um, what did lockdown teach you about yourself? It taught me that I um, am very competitive, but that I'm not very good at training like by myself. Like I'm energized by a group. I'm energized by connecting with people and working off their energy. And yeah, I can do it, but I just, I definitely don't enjoy it as much as when I'm in that group setting and connecting with my teammates. So that was a really, that was actually a really important learning for me in terms of how I'm going to get the best productivity going forward as well. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And if there is any final thing you'd like to say, feel free to now. Oh, final thoughts. I mean, I've been rambling on, um, not very concisely for the last. It's been good though. Um, but I would just, just a little, um, little blurb for any athlete out there. It's just that I would highly recommend you engage in some sort of mindfulness activity to train, um, to train your mind. I mean, for me, the way that I found it was a bit like the the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff rather than the fence at the top and it's a really good tool that allows you to um probably just be like kinder to yourself um in those hard moments because when you're an athlete a lot of what you're doing is failing over and over again and so getting good at that process and being able to put a little bit of space between that failure um is really important and mindfulness has taught me how to do that don't get it right all the time but I would just recommend that young athletes go and and do that or talk to me about it or come and have a yarn because it's just a super important skill that has helped me not just on the sports field but off the sports field as well but yeah that would be my final my final advice to athletes <laughs> amazing yeah. well follow the Instagram follow the podcast the happy athlete yeah. yeah tiktok we're on tiktok now girls yes um i know that your gen like tiktok so maybe they can get around it you yeah. might find yourself a few more followers after this is published yeah, yeah. duet me i'm i'm really <laughs> not uh <laughs> i'm joking but yeah no good yeah so cool. just thank you once again for talking we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us and we know that girls in our community will really appreciate it so everyone listening we hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you in the next episode <laughs>